myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. Today, we celebrate episode 50. It's awesome. Uh, we got a great guest for you today. Uh, my guest is Mela Borowski, host of the Bell Book and Candles podcast, and she is a Southern witch. But Mela has a condition called face blindness, where she cannot recognize people by their face. Like, she, her, her body doesn't, or her eyes don't register, I guess, how people appearance. And so her whole life, she's kind of gone through this, and we kind of get into the fact of how when you have a condition that's very obscure and not really main, what I would call a mainstream you know, kind of condition, how hard it can be on you to go through daily life. Mela is an amazing human being. She's super sweet. She's a mother of two. We talk about her, her witchcraft, her podcast, her family, and then we get into her dealing with face blindness and her fear of socializing. So let's get into the episode with Mela Borowski. All right, we're here with Southern Witch and host of the Bell Book and Candle podcast, Mela Borowski. Mela, how are you doing today? Did I get the name right? You did. Thank you. I'm doing well. So you run a Bell Book and Candle podcast where you talk about paganism and witchcraft and it's not all bubble, bubble, toy trouble. It's actually kind of, <laughs> I would almost call you the Martha Stewart of witches. Like it's very, <laughs> it's very, like, it's very calming. It's very, very accepting of whatever's going on. It doesn't seem like there's any, it just seems like it's a, a fun conversation. Yeah. I mean, I look at witchcraft, paganism as just a means for a spiritual path. So for me, I just happen to be very nature-based. I'm a pagan minister, so I, I teach classes. I do this as a means really of almost like a ministry. And because of also being a hypnosis practitioner and having my own business with wellness, I bring that into my spirituality. So that's why my podcast is, is kind of like a witchy wellness type thing. It's very, it's very original and fun. And do you ever hypnotize your husband? Do you just hit, take out the garbage? I, <laughs> take out. I wish it were like that. <laughs> You're getting very helpful. It, I would more want to do that to my children, I think, than my husband. <laughs> so when did you, I guess, first discover paganism as far as for you? Like, you know, like, oh, this is something I could really get into. Um, Probably... I'm 49, so I'd say in my early 30s or so. So I grew up in a very strict, where I live in South Carolina, so Bible Belt, um, evangelistic, fundamentalist type church, and I was a missionary overseas. I went to Bible college, all that sort of thing. But it just, I don't know, something was missing. And oddly enough, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, and then I got introduced to, hey, let me play a druid. And as, and as I'm kind of a nerd, so as I'm doing this research for my character, I start running into, hey, there's real stuff out there. This really fits with a lot, a lot of the things that I've been thinking my whole life that I've been told was wrong and bad. And so it kind of went from there. So I would say early 30s. How has your family like adjusted to that? <laughs> well, my husband and I almost got divorced. <laughs> Um, his church was telling him that I was demon possessed and things like that, but we worked it out. We had a legal separation, but we worked it out. And now he's extremely supportive. As far as my parents, they got out of what they were in as well. And my mom is one of my biggest supporters. My dad doesn't believe really at all what I believe. My mom's a little on the edge, but he still supports me. In fact, with my podcast, there's a little song we sing at the beginning, and my dad wrote the lyrics to that and sings it with me. 
That's awesome. I was wondering who, yeah. when, because it's a little almost like country esque, yeah, like almost like back in the saddle kind of, like, but yeah, uh, but which you know, and I was like, oh, I, <laughs> I was assuming that was your husband that was singing it with you. Yeah, that's my dad, and and it's really amazing with this the story of of everything that I came out of, and just a lot of abuse and a bad situation, bad family situation that we're so close. We live right next to each other on farmland now. And that my dad would write that in support of me and then sing it with me is really meaningful to me. I don't think everybody necessarily, like you say, would know what that is. But for me, it's very meaningful to have that on there. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome memory. And it's something like something you'll you can cherish forever because it's something yeah. that's preserved. It's a memory that's right. kind of a preserved memory. Yeah. So I, I love how. I, I feel like you're the total epitome of love wins. Like the epitome of no matter what happens, as long as there's love there, there's there's a way to make it work. Like both with yeah. your 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 parents as well as your husband, it seems like you there's enough love here that we can we can make this work and be supportive and and still find happiness. Yeah, it took a took a lot of work, but yeah, self-love was the key. When I learned to love myself and I went to counseling and just had a lot of work to truly love every part of myself, that changed every relationship in my life. That, and it, I feel like that's a lot of things. Like for me, that's kind of how comedy works too, is you kind of, mm -hmm. you kind of expose those flaws in a public forum and you, get, and you, you expose them in a way that gets you the reaction you're looking for. So for me as a comic, I'm looking for the whole room to laugh. Whereas, you know, you're looking for, you know, some like more of a, I guess, we're both looking for relatability, but yeah. I'm, I'm looking for it in the form of laughter. You're looking for it in the form of communion almost. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And so like, I w I'm curious about the book part because I know the, the bell is being in South Carolina. <laughs> And the candles are for the pagan and the witchcraft. Where does the books fall in? Is that just. So there's there's a movie about witchcraft, I think maybe by Disney or something. And it's called Bell, Book and Candle. But it's just a, a bell that you ring. So I changed it to be Southern Bell. Um, the book part of it is your book of shadows. So your spell book. So that's that's the bell book. And then the candle fire. We always we witches always have candles going. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was curious like the the spell book. You do you actually have one? I do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's just I I can't imagine what like that ceremony would be like since you're a minister and stuff. Do you just y'all still gather or do y'all do it over Zoom? Right now we're doing it on Zoom and Facebook Live. So I do a full moon ceremony every single month. I have every month for a little over two years now. And it started out in person, but when the pandemic hit, we went to Zoom, and it's 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 good. It's it's really good. Of course, I I love being able to have a fire and being around the fire and and have the people gather. But it's it's been good because people who couldn't normally come to the one I would do here in the community have been joining us, even from all over the world. And that's what I feel like. What this pandemic has done is it's made a it's made you a larger community by being able to do it just not just in person, but then to also now think maybe I should also live stream this to even, you know, find more of my, I guess, family and fellowship by yeah. having a virtual, I guess, meeting. So what is the full moon ceremony? I have to know now what that is. So you have to. So uh, the full moon is just basically honoring that energy of release. So the correspondence that, that we feel with a moon is letting go. I don't always do a traditional release ceremony. I do various things. So around a Thanksgiving type autumn, I might do a Thanksgiving and I might do a cord cutting where you're cutting energetic cords to people. My full moon ceremonies are very interfaith. I have people from all religions and spiritualities that come. Um, so I, I make sure my language is very inclusive. Uh, when I do new moon things, it's very pagan. And I do that on the podcast page. Um, so, But for the full moons, it's just basically getting together, honoring the energy of the moon and doing some sort of ritual of some sort that is that is healing in some way. That sounds 
so awesome. Like it just like just just a, you know, just kind of a gathering just to almost like it's a meet and greet on the full moon. Yeah. And I'm just I'm kind of blown away. Like this is really cool. Like <laughs> We're not all crazy. <laughs> We're not all weird. <laughs> I feel, I'm one of these people that I don't really belong to any kind of religion, but mm. I appreciate all of them because it, it's something, it's still something that's needed. It's just because some people, you know, you know, choose to believe or not believe. I was like, but it still can, it still is a help. It can sometimes be yeah. a foundation to shoulder some of the burdens that you may have going on yeah. in your life. And so I'm always appreciative, I'm always fascinated to kind of learn the little like minutia of each religion, yeah. like how they're a little different and things like that. Someone once told me that everybody is getting to the top of the mountain. They're taking different paths. They're taking different ways. Maybe someone is jumping out of an, a helicopter to get to the top. The only people that aren't actually making it to the top of the mountain are the ones running around the bottom, telling everyone else that they're on the wrong path. Indeed. My friend had a had a bit about religion. He's like, they're all we're all they're all pretty much ninety nine percent the same. Like we're all like, you know, you, there's a afterlife. There's a better place. Be a good person while you're alive. Mm, and yeah. we're taking donations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, since your husband isn't like a, a practitioner of witchcraft, like how does how does he like? show support like does he like point stuff out that could be possibility like healing stones or something like that like he'll go with you and he's extremely supportive now and he will buy me things for my altar i have a skull over this way on my altar that he got engraved um special for me and gave it to me and that is was a huge huge step because when we first got back together after our first separation, we had two. He said, you can't bring tarot cards in the in the house. You can't bring this. You can't bring that. That's satanic. And pretty much he's starting to, he's not becoming pagan, but he's just starting to have his own thoughts about things. So he's more supportive. And yeah, he takes me, he goes with me to places. He helps me with my podcasts and YouTube and all that. And yeah, he's extremely supportive. It's just really amazing. Yeah, it, it, it's got to be fun, and you know, it's just it's just learning. It's it's also learning and realizing that even though it can be it can be scary initially, learning something new, like either one going on stage or public speaking, like for that first time, taking that first step on stage, it's terrifying. Yeah. But it's okay. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> so. You have my podcast is about fears, so that's a great segue. Mm. And you had a very <laughs> interesting fear. Go ahead and tell me what your fear is and explain a little bit about it, if you would. Okay, so I have something called prosopagnosia, and that is face blindness. And I lived in fear, and I, I still kind of have it, but I've kind of gotten over it a little bit. But my fear was recognizing people because I don't have the ability to recognize people's faces, this part of the face here. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been tested, I've been in research studies, and I, I had a really rough 20s, um, teenage years, because I would even isolate myself because I was so afraid of not being able to recognize people that I should know that I wouldn't go out. I didn't want to go to the grocery store because I might run into somebody and be, and I would look stupid because it might be someone that I knew for 15 years and I would have no idea. And it happened many times. They would come talk to me and I was so inauthentic because I would pretend that I knew who they were. Yes. Yeah. 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 Hey honey, you know, Hey boo boo, that kind of thing. And never using their name and that, but as I got more depressed and as I just really hated life because of a lot of things that were going on in my life, I just thought, you know what? I don't want to deal with that. I am too afraid that somebody's going to just, just put me down and call me out on it. So I, I isolated myself so much, got rid of friends, got rid of going out and just stayed home in a depressed state for many, many years. That would be absolute. That's 
it's got to be such a because it, it's it's not just scary and the sense of social, but just the the self reflection like what's wrong with me like the the ima- yeah. the the emotional I guess toll you would take on yourself because I don't I don't want to be too forward and call it abuse but there's just the to- the toll of how could you not know that's your friend of ten years. What are you? Right. Are you some sort of monster? Like you just, the, just the mean, <laughs> right, right. That I don't care. Yeah, just the mean thoughts. Because I have, I don't know exactly what I have because I've never been. I guess I'm 44, and I'm at this point. I'm like, well, what, what, what is it going to help me now? I've kind of my cards have been dealt. My hand has been played, <laughs> and so it would. It's it's somewhere on the. Uh, I would say on the spectrum, but. I would be really awkward in conversations and I feel, you know, I would feel ostracized and I would, I would go over it in my mind. I'm like, you're, why are you such a monster? Why can't, why are you such a hateful Mm -hmm. person? And it, this comedy has helped me kind of accept that part of me and just, and it's, you know, just make peace with it rather than, you know, you know, think of it and just and have it be like your monster in the cage and yeah that you can't have anybody close to you because this is going to be you know they're going to find this and they'll you know they'll hate you or they'll this is going to make them leave you mm-hmm. i didn't even know what it was what it was for most of my life i had no idea there was an actual name for it i just thought that i was broken yeah it it's got to be hard too, because like it's not something other people have like readily. So it's not somewhere you can go for like a support group, <laughs> right? It's not like you're you know you got that from your dad, you, you yeah, and how they deal with it. So I I can't imagine because then your parents probably just you know are helpless to to kind of feel powerless. I would think as a parent to have your kid go through this and not know the cause or you know how where to go with it and. How, let yeah. alone how. <laughs> so does any of your children kind of have any like signs of this happening or? We haven't noticed it in either one of my children. They're in their early 20s now and we haven't noticed anything at all, which is good. <laughs> yeah. It's just when they don't want, they don't want to see that their parents are there. That's when <laughs> it's very selective for them. Yeah. yeah I think that's with most kids. <laughs> so how how did you like how when did you kind of find out what it was was it before you met your husband after your husband it was after I met my husband of course I was still struggling with it before I met him and we knew there was a problem he was very good about I just thought it was bad with names I didn't really recognize that it was faces I just thought it was bad with names and I couldn't remember people so when he was with me he would come up and say oh, hi, so-and-so, and he would give their names. Yeah, how's it going at wherever we knew them from? And he would give me these cues, and so that would help me. Um, but I found out there was a name for it when I first heard about face blindness, and I thought, wait a minute, there's something called face blindness? That sounds like my issue. <laughs> and that was probably maybe... 39, 40 years old. So only about 10 years ago. And then I started looking into it. I started looking into the research studies. I did the tests that they give you to find out that I am extremely (laughs) below average. I have it really bad. Some people do. It's a spectrum as well. So some people have it in, in other ways. And from there, there's no cure for it. But there are ways to get around it. Like I would recognize how someone walked or I would recognize their hairstyle. I just I can't see this part of of the Mm -hmm. face. So I I was able to learn how to kind of get around it. And then with with that self-love I was talking about, I, I finally came to terms and I said, you know what? This is how I am. And I'm not going to be ashamed about it anymore. And I started actually telling people that I had it. And saying, please don't take it personally. Um, and it, it wasn't it wasn't so bad. But when my children were young, and I was I was supposed to go and get them from school, and I was terrified to do tasks like that. That that seems like an easy task for a mom, mm-hmm. right? Go pick up your kids from elementary school. I was so afraid because 
I couldn't recognize my children. And, but if they were in the right spot, I could get them. Well, I drove up one day. They were not in that spot. And I drove past my own children, and they were running after my car trying to catch up with me. I felt so broken. I don't think I'd felt as broken as I did that day when I saw kids chasing my car and had no idea who they were until I heard them saying, Mom, Mom. Yeah, I, I that that would definitely would be a struggle because you you knew at that point you wonder you know you blame yourself and it's it's never a healthy it's not a it's never never a healthy way to to approach things and I totally relate to that like I I would literally find things to blame myself for and then again from comedy I've learned it's like okay okay so. If you think, you know, just kind of look up the symptoms and just kind of read and just do some research. And it's amazing what you can find. And it's something when you find something that matches that you can put it towards, like you can figure out what it is. It's such a relief. Like, I can't explain the relief I found when I started reading about Asperger's and like mm. looking at the symptoms and how much it paired with my life. Like I always was, uh, you know, seemed like he had, I had gifted and, you know, gifted abilities, but would never do the work would always, always be borderline passing mm. or totally capable of doing, exceeding his expectations at his job, but still struggles to, to perform all the tasks properly. Like you'll always have, cause it would, it would frustrate me at work because I would be doing so well in one area, but then just one area would drop. And then if I'd focus mm. on that area, then another area would go way down. Yeah. And so it was such a, it was such a struggle. And then you, like you say, once you realize what it is and you can start to find steps to, okay, like maybe I don't play video games if they overstimulate me and put me in a, yeah. an angry state or, you know, just, you know, take a you know take a deep breath. You don't have to just immediately go back into something when you finish one task. You don't need to jump right into another one if you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. People don't want to be labeled, but there is something to having a label that allows you to almost um, take possession of what it is that you have and and dive into it and figure out ways around it. So I understand people don't like labels a lot of times. But in a lot of cases, even for illnesses, just having that label almost gives a freedom. Wouldn't you say it's like a freedom? Yeah. I don't know if it's a freedom. It's just a, it's basically not a freedom. It's just, okay, this is why this is happening. Rather yeah. than trying to trying to figure out all the things that are, that are wrong with you to make it happen. Oh. Yeah. So this is a thing that people have. And, you know, I also suffer from it. So... And you can preface it, you can label it, you can tell people so that they're not just thinking that you're, because it's, it's a lot harder when you don't know what it is. So, you know, how would you explain that face blindness if you didn't know what it was? Oh, sorry, I don't know faces very well. I don't, you know, for some reason yeah. I can't remember a face at all. So don't, don't take it personally. I don't know what, why it happens, but it happens. Seems right. <laughs> way, it just seems, it just seems almost like an excuse mm -hmm. to not be social versus I have a, yeah. a condition called face blindness, and what it does is, for some reason, my mind doesn't retain information about a person's physical features, mm -hmm. and it's it's way it's way it just seems it's more. I would say it's it's the truth, but it's a it's a real thing that they can look up mm -hmm. instead of just a an a, a opinion of oh this person's just. At least in my head, that's how I, I, I rationalize yeah. it. I mean, people, people thought that I was really stuck up. And I think part of that was the face blindness. I was so afraid to approach people a lot. I kept to myself super quiet, even in high school, uh, even in middle school. And I had people tell me later on, yeah, we thought you were just stuck up, that you were too good for us. And here it was that I just was... I was so afraid of being made fun of. I was so afraid of these people just not accepting me in my broken state or making a fool of myself. 
and come to find out these people did think that I just was choosing not to be around them. I was choosing not to remember their name, choosing not to know who they were in the grocery store, you know? Well, I have done that before. Like I've seen somebody, I'm like, no, we're, we're going to go down another aisle. <laughs> I've done that too on purpose. <laughs> so how did you, when your husband, did you meet him? How many times did you like meet him before he kind of stuck? Well, it was very helpful that, we worked at the same place. So I saw him every single day, but he has a very long beard right now. And there was a picture of him that came up on Facebook with no beard. I mean, like a beard like this down here. And I, and I looked at the picture and it said his name on it, but I did not recognize who that guy was. And I sent it to him. And I'm, I'm afraid that if he were to take his beard off now, that it would be very, very awkward. But when I first met him, he was just out of college. Um, we were mid-20s. And because we've, we've been married 25 years this year. Um, and I saw him every single day. And he, he would come harass me in my office. And, and so it kind of sunk in. Um, but I still do have that where if he changes something drastically mm-hmm. on his face that wait a minute wait a minute who is that <laughs> it really is who is this man i married <laughs> really, yeah. you, you're really living it to the fullest degree yeah uh-huh. like i don't even know you anymore right <laughs> hey maybe that's a good thing maybe yeah. you know he can shave off his beard sometime and it'd be like i have someone new <laughs> Just don't tell my husband <laughs> he'll be home any minute So your dad, does your dad help you with a podcast other than the singing at all? Does he like you've ever thought about putting you, bringing him on as a co-host or anything in any episodes or? The only thing that he has done is the second and third episodes are where I tell my life story. And he actually came on and just did a few little um, pieces of it, of telling his idea just went about what he thought about my depression. And he goes on and he talks about some of the abuse that he was part of and how he really wishes that he hadn't been like that. It's really incredible. Um, But besides the music and then him being in those two where I tell my life story, he doesn't do, he doesn't do a lot. I think they listen, but they don't do a lot. That that had to be, I would say that was probably a very intense couple episodes there. Probably. It was very healing, too, yeah. for him to be willing to come in and said, we we have come to terms with things a long time ago. I love him. He takes care of, of me and my family, and I know he loves me. I didn't used to think he loved me, mm-hmm. but now I do. And for him to just come and sit by me and record some of the things that I didn't know he was going to say and yeah. be able to put that on there was very healing. It's very healing, and it's very it it, it, it deepens your connection because you realize that you can you kind of get their side of the coin too as well like it's not just upon you like you can all you know there's some you know i guess contrition as well as just yeah i guess i'm trying to think of what put yourself in their shoes but you kind of you kind of get an idea of what what all was going on and everything else and so if there was Mm -hmm. other forces that you weren't aware of because of your age and you know, because you didn't, you know, you stayed in your room or you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a, de- a healing is probably the best way to describe it. Cause I. Yeah. Uh, but that's such a great, it's such great things. Cause I mean, so many people, it makes me sad so many times that some people are willing to just kind of sever those ties rather than repair. Yeah. And I guess sometimes you do have to, if there's no kind of contrition, like you were saying, if there's no um, way to repair a toxic relationship, sometimes you do have to do that. So I'm very lucky and I recognize that. And I think by him and my mom, both being on those episodes, it also tells people that I'm not just going behind their backs and telling a nasty story about things that happened to me. That was really important to me. I asked permission from them before I ever told the story. 
And, that, and it was great that, that that's how on board they were, that they were willing to be willing participants and not just, yeah. not just you know, bystanders or people, just people that they wanted to, you know, kind of share in, in the process. Yeah. Yeah, that was really great. And so, like, did that ever, did the face blindness ever work with your parents too? Like, did, was there ever a point where you got lost in a store? And you were like looking, you know, like if you wandered off at a grocery store and then you <laughs> you started following the wrong person because you just weren't aware that that wasn't your mom. I don't know, because oddly enough, because of a lot of the trauma that happened in my childhood, I don't remember massive portions of my childhood. I can remember late teens and I can remember little snippets here and there, but my childhood is just gone I don't know if that's because of what's up with my brain. I don't know if that has to do with it or not, but I just, I don't have those memories of being a child to even know. I, but, and I've never asked my mom. So that would be an interesting thing to ask her if that ever happened. I know I was a very strange child. I know that I was very imaginative. I had some psychic gifts that, like I said, even as a child, I was being told that it was you know, bad and evil and things like that. And, you know, somebody told me something one time that I thought was really cool. It made me feel good. They told me that maybe I was given this, what you might call a a curse or what I was calling broken, but maybe I was given that to make room in my brain to see the spiritual world a little better. Um, That I don't need to see people's actual faces because I'm able to see their auras. I'm able to see ghosts and spirits and things like that so maybe i don't have to see everybody's face that was told me pretty recently and i never thought about that and maybe that's kind of something you developed also to compensate for not being able to recognize the phases it's a defense mechanism to realize okay if i can't recognize people maybe i can recognize intent Mm. and so it's it's almost a defense thing of okay i can tell you know, I can't know your name, but I can tell you're a good person by the energy you give off. Absolutely. And I can. And I can read body language like nobody's business, too. That definitely helped being a mom. You could see every fidget. <laughs> can't recognize the face, but I can see I can see the fidgeting. <laughs> yeah, I can, I know if you're lying to me, I know all kinds of stuff. And yeah, they try to get away with stuff. They try to get away with well, my oldest tried to get away with smoking and thinking that mom wouldn't notice. I knew before they even hit hit the door. <laughs> I just knew that's what they were up to. <laughs> that's got to be kind of scary for them, too. Cause... Yeah. Like Which it, mom? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it's still it's very, you know, it's one of those things, too, where even though I not because I don't have a traditional belief system doesn't mean that I don't have values. Mm-hmm. It's like people get those mixed up. It's like there's still mm. you're still human values and stuff. Like so, there's still yeah. right and wrong, no matter which. Yeah, still ethics. Yeah. And so your kids are probably you know it's still even though you may not have the same you know church that group that other kids that they went to school with, there still wasn't things that they could do. Like it's not like oh it's absolutely the free range house. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> So do any of your kids like do tarot or any of the witchcraft with you at all? Or My, my youngest Hudson is very um, sensitive. He's what you might call old soul, but he's not really interested in what I do as much as just, I hear him talk to his friends. He's very empathic. He's very sympathetic. So I see him have spiritual gifts but he does not necessarily follow my spiritual path in a sense. Um, my oldest, he has helped me with clearing away spirits because I get called to clear ghosts and spirits and negative entities. He's helped me with that a little bit. He comes and looks at my things and I think he's extremely interested, but he hasn't quite made the jump because even, even with my husband being Christian, being going to church every Sunday, and then my own path, we weren't you have to choose something. We we imparted wisdom to them. We imparted ethics of what they need to uh, do and treat other people. But we didn't make them follow a spiritual path. So now it's just it's more like hmm, maybe maybe I'm a little interested in what mom's doing. 
and it's uh, clearing spirits is, is cool like it's still a cool you know cool thing like you know like is it is it really haunted like it, there's that there's that allure of mystery because was it just a creaking floorboard or was it something right. more <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so I, I always find those fascinating have you ever like stayed like in a haunted like hotel or mansion or anything like that like as a vacation not on purpose okay I think I think since I do it for a job and since I go in there and have to deal with this kind of crap as a job basis, even though I now I love ghost tours and I will go on a ghost tour on every town I go to, but I'm not looking for some kind of activity to happen because I've got plenty of it in my life already, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, one of my one of my friends on a previous episode, he's afraid of like the haunted house rides. Like he gets mm. he gets so amped up for the ride. Like he's not He's not scared of the monster stuff, but just the anticipation of going and all his mind starts to raise. Oh. But he was like, I'll never stay in a real haunted house because I don't like to be alone with my thoughts. He's like, why would mm. I why would I just be in a house that's totally quiet and just also be alone in my thoughts and pay a fee, basically. <laughs> yeah. To just sit with my thoughts. <clears throat> like I couldn't I I get it. Like sometimes I think about it, but if you're if you're spiritually empath, I don't know if that's something that maybe could be almost a, a sensory overload, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a lot of stimulus. So you may not <clears throat> sleep. You may be just irritable or, you know, just you just have a lot of input coming in. Yeah. Yeah, I get that way even just going into certain stores. The energy is is in so bad. I get, I mean, bad is the only descriptor I can think of. The energy is just so overwhelming, I guess. The, the sensory input is, I feel like I can barely get myself out of there. There's one store in particular that's like that every time I go in. Oof. I, that, that would be, too, like if you can sense auras, like if you're in a store with a lot of hustle and bustle, that could be mm, a lot yeah. of distraction. Walmart, Walmart is a store. I can't go in Walmart. That's the store that just is overwhelming for me as soon as I walk in. A hard time in there. It's it's not that hard for me except for gro checking out because it always seems like for some reason there's not a not enough cashiers. So you're just in the, <laughs> yeah. it's just daunting to look as you're trying to like I'm ready to go and just seeing a line of ten to fifteen people just waiting. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's it just it just kind of mentally kind of defeats you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you also for for someone that does spiritual i mean you're at a perfect location south carolina like above to the north is just colonial all old colonial and then to the south is voodoo and <laughs> and southern yeah with the you know with all the voodoo and everything other influences from you know all the caribbean cultures as well as mm -hmm. colonial kind of colonial america that kind of blends together that you know to make like a I would say a hotbed of history that's just there that maybe is not written about but still happen yeah my family comes from the mountains of Georgia that's Appalachian folk magic up there scotch Irish roots and then you've got the low country of South Carolina which has all the Gullah and Geechee people and they have their own hoodoo magic and then yeah you go down a little more and over and you've got voodoo, voodoo, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, the South is is full of spirits and it's full of magic. Now it is the Bible Belt, so people don't always want to claim that it's magic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you look, you will find it. Oh yeah, uh, and you will find great cuisine. I definitely, yeah. <laughs> I definitely will, would go to like Charleston area at some point because I. Mm -hmm. They have amazing shrimp and grits, and it's just cool. It's just a cool place to vacation. Mm -hmm. Like I used to have a friend that lived in Myrtle Beach, and he, oh yeah, he he raved about it. Like it's just the greatest place to live year round. <laughs> yeah, I love Charleston. I've I've been to more ghost tours there than I can even count, and I've eaten at so many places, and it's just a wonderful place. Savannah's great as well, which is in Georgia. So, what happens on a ghost tour like that? seems interesting so what happens when i go on one or when i give one because i give them too well what is the <laughs> what is the essence of a ghost tour because i i kind of know but at the same time 
there may be more to it than what I'm thinking. Basically on the ghost tours that I've been on is there's one specific place in Charleston. Maybe it's at night in the graveyards or around different, different houses. And you just hear the stories and you're, you're told the stories, uh, hauntings, legends, spirits, all these things like that. And, and that's pretty much what all ghost tours that I've ever been on, including the ones I do is you just hear the, the stories and the legends of whatever, specific place you're in so for me i do my ghost store ghost story tours downtown at an old mill it's an old cotton mill and it's a museum now and we do them every october and i tell southern south carolina legends and ghost tales and we have our own ghosts there that i've had experiences with and it's the same thing the people will tell their own experiences and they'll tell the legends so if you're interested in storytelling mythology legends ghost um tours are the are a great thing to go on definitely we'll have to look into that because it just seems like it's a fun like i would say just one night just yeah to, just to kind of especially when you're doing it in october like perfect for yeah to get you, to get you ready for halloween why not and yep. Why not buck tradition and do you know the the haunted house or a hayride, and go listen to real stories, like a real yeah. Story. I did one on a carriage in Beaufort one October, which was amazing, and they took you around to different houses that were haunted in Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, that would be so cool. Yeah, because I mean it with the humidity and everything at night, like it just adds to the allure. Especially if like, mm-hmm. it could be a full moon, like I don't know if you yeah, would... that'd be perfect. <laughs> Next time you have a full, you could have a ghost story, like full moon ceremony where everybody just shares like a a legend. So I did that. I did that this last year, even though it was pandemic, Samhain, which is, which is what I celebrate as Halloween. We call it Samhain. Um, It's the witch's new year. I invited people outdoors onto my farm. We had social distancing and everything, but we had a fire. We sat around and we told ghost stories. So I actually did that. And it was a full moon this past Samhain, this past Halloween. Well, that's awesome. Like per, to, perfect timing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I was just thinking to myself, like, what a perfect like full moon ceremony to have that. And then just also be doing a ghost tour at the same time. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, oh, I wish there was like a oh, you could almost do a, a crawl of some sort. Like if they have beverages or something like that, like a beverage sponsor could be at every mm. stop on your ghost tour <laughs> offering a oh, different yeah. be- spooky beverage. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so you've always grown up in South Carolina. Have you ever lit or Georgia, South Carolina area? Have you li- ever lived outside of there or? I was born in Florida and my grandmother and uncle whom I was very close to, I would go back every year and visit them. And when I was young, I lived there a little bit, but ever since the th- third grade. So for most of my life, I've lived in South Carolina in some place. One year I lived in Massachusetts. I lived overseas for a little while in Cyprus for, it was about four or five months. Um, But besides that, South Carolina, my husband's a Yankee. I told him I'll marry you, but I'll never move up North. And so he's been here too. (laughs) Well, that, I guess definitely it's worked out since you're, (laughs) you did (laughs) He's still here. So. Yeah, he didn't want to go up to the snow again anyway. He was from New York. <laughs> so I'm glad he acclimated. He likes it. And it, I'm guessing it's it's definitely a different a different lifestyle. Yeah. Definitely more social is one thing I've learned. I've grown up in Texas most of my life. So mm. is that up north, a lot of people face down. Like it's a lot of people because it's so many people, you just can't look everybody in the eye. And so yeah. everybody looks down and it's not, there's not the, when you pass someone, how are you, like you would do, like you would almost be thrive up there with the, <laughs> with the, with the face blindness because you would be, you would yeah. keep to yourself. And that's exactly what everybody does up North is they just, everything is internalized. Everything is just, yeah. cause you're just, everybody's so overpacked. Like you're in a building with hundreds of other people. So you just, everything thin walls you have to keep everything even when you go home you can't relax because they can hear you your neighbors can hear you then they're going to talk about you (laughs) yeah it's it's a different world when i visited up there 
what I noticed is that everyone seemed really angry. So that's a big difference too, because everyone just talked in a different way and everyone seemed really angry. And maybe it was because they don't talk to each other and they don't look at each other in the eyes. But Randy's, my, my husband's dad scared the crap out of me because he was so loud and so angry. And I even asked him after I first met him, I said, why is your dad angry all the time? He said, what are you talking about? He's not angry all the time. I was like, what? Ooh, I don't want to see him angry. This is not angry. Exactly. <laughs> Let me know when he's angry and I won't, I won't come. I'll just, I'll stay home. Yeah. So that's, gosh, I can't imagine like, especially with, with with that, like, I mean, that definitely helped with face blindness on that one because you knew him by sound. Like, you could tell. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see him all that often either because they lived in um, Utica, New York. So I, I didn't see him all that often. For With face blindness, the odd thing is I can recognize somebody because of, not because of their face, but because they're in a certain spot. So, for instance, when I work at the museum, which I got laid off for the pandemic, sadly, but when I worked at the museum, there was someone who sits at the front desk and they're always at the front desk. And I come in and I see the person's shape and I say, oh, okay, that's so-and-so. Hi. And I can say their name and everything. But if that same person that I've talked to for six years every day, I see them in a grocery store, they're not in the right space. They're not in the right environment. And I will have no clue who they are, where I know them from, or their name. So that's weird how that works. Like uh, If they're in the right environment, I will know who they are just like that. Yeah. It, like you were saying with your kids, like they were, they had to be in a certain spot to pick right, them up. And right. if they got, they wandered off or anything like that. Because again, that would be terrifying too. If like, if, if your kids wandered off and you had to look for them in the store. And I've had to, yeah, and it was scary. Because it's like you had, you almost question if it's them or not. And and I did, and I would just call them by name and try not to look stupid, but I was very protective over them staying with me having their hands. They would want to go look at stuff, and, and I, would, I would lose track of them, very seriously lose track of them, as in not be able to, f- to find my own children if they got lost from me. Yeah, that, it's... I'm glad I'm glad you've kind of found an alternative. So what are kind of if you, if you what would you look for if you have face blindness like besides the symptoms of you know I don't seem to be recognizing faces but is there other I would say like symptoms that people could maybe look to besides just not being able to see them like face wise to to be able to recognize people in a, outside of a certain environment. The way that they test for it relies on two things and the one is just an hour's worth of trying to pick out people's faces um and including actors actresses that sort of thing when i watch tv if if there if there's a lot of characters on a movie or a tv i can't follow because i don't know who's doing what and so i have to ask my husband who is this now what where did they come from and he'll say that's the person who was doing this in the last episode I'll say, oh, okay. So absolutely not recognizing even actors' faces, actresses' faces to some degree is going to be a huge part of it. So if you have problems figuring out what actor, what actress, or even sometimes even for animals, they can't recognize their own animals apart. I'm pretty good at that. Um, And the other thing is, are you using other means to recognize people. So you have to kind of look at yourself and say, do I know who that person is because of the way they talk, because of how they walk, because of a tattoo, or do I know who that person is because I'm actually recognizing their face? So those are the two main things. There's not a whole lot of other symptoms or anything like that. It's based on, are you recognizing the face at all? Or, and are you using other means to figure out who a person is? That's interesting. I never even thought about like watching movies. Like I'm just thinking daily life. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't. There's a lot of movies that because of just the pacing even would make it. Yeah. I couldn't imagine like just the just like you're just watching it and pretending to kind of go follow along because it's just you're just overloaded. 
Yeah, I, I can't tell, especially if it's age shifting. They go back and forth from being kids to I don't I don't know which one is which kid. I can't tell enough it, unless they say people's names. I just can't tell who people are. I wonder if subtitles would help with that. Like if you put your subtitles on. I've used that quite a bit. I like shows that it's kind of the same people every time. Like right now I'm, I'm watching Star Trek Next Generation and it's pretty much the same people every time. I don't know who the guests are, who the aliens they go to, mm-hmm. but I know who Captain Picard is. He's in the same uniform every time. You know, <laughs> yeah. My friend is watching Outlander, so... Mm, I like that one too. Yeah, because it's like she said, it, it's just such a fascinating because she likes the period piece and the it kind of follows the uh, sense and sensibility, like it's the the whole period piece and mm. like it's kind of forbidden and mm-hmm. and it's just the it's like it's the old world romance of you know this guy's a rebel, he's he's alpha male and this woman's ability to affect him. I guess, and yeah. change, change his way of thinking. And it's, it's cool. I, I, I get, I get the allure and stuff like that. I, yeah. But it was just funny. She's like, yeah, uh, I'm going to be watching Outlander season four and <laughs> you won't be able to contact me. So <laughs> nice. I'll see you in a month. And, but it, yeah, that's very addictive. <laughs> with, I guess with binging shows that does make it easier too. Cause it's, Mm. again when you don't recognize faces and then you have like the old school tv like a week or you know if a season breaks you have like months and then you have to all of a sudden jump back in and who is this guy again and yep it was very hard i didn't really get into a lot of things i didn't watch a whole lot of television to be honest and people that's the first time anyone's really asked me about that but but no i really didn't watch a lot of television because of that i watch movies so I love Netflix and those type of programs now because I can binge it and watch it one after the other. Yeah, because I mean, at, at some point, again, it comes back to that fear of people judging or 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 just putting you down because you don't you don't know who this person is you, in yeah. this movie. Like, mm-hmm. like that would be a horrible for state. Probably it's like they take you to a movie, <laughs> not only that you don't remember him for a second date, and then. <laughs> Yeah, not only do I not know who they are, but they, I, there's this famous person on the big screen and I have no clue who it is. <laughs> so how do you like how do you kind of, I guess, go like you say, you look for other ways, like certain spots, hairstyles, you kind of peripheral mm-hmm. look. Is there any other ways of like, is it a voice? Can you do like sound kind of recognition? Mm-hmm. Like if you like if it's a way a certain yeah. way at certain talks like, oh, that's Steve, you know, I recognize him by yeah. voice. Absolutely. I People's voices, their accents. Um, there's one lady at the museum who who walks a little bit different because she has a problem with her knee. And I know who she is right away just by how they walk. Um, if they wear a certain type of clothing, like if they wear a hat all the time, even if it's not the same hat, if they always wear a hat, um, just things like that. So yeah, tattoos, hairstyles color of the hair when they change the hair though if they change the hairstyle get the haircut it's it's over if that's how i know who they are it's over i don't know who it is another thing i learned also with comedy is just pacing Mm. that in your head this feels like an eternity but we haven't even been silent for a second and so a lot of times you'll stress yourself trying to think of the name like so fast yeah I would say just also pacing and just, okay, give it a minute to think, just, you know, say, hey, I'm sorry, just have something on my mind. Or, you know, you just give them a mm-hmm. little bit of a, you know, give me a moment, sorry, some, you know, some someone just said something to me and I just realized. And then you just, you can give yourself, buy yourself a couple extra seconds to kind of run through your, you know, your alternative processes to see who this is. Yeah, I'm very lucky because... My husband knows everybody. He recognizes everybody. I, when I was younger, I taught a lot of teenagers and children. I was a children's minister at a church, so I had children in those classes. So I run into children, well, they're adults now, but I knew them as children. Well, I wouldn't recognize them from a week ago, let alone 20 years ago. But even if my husband met them just a little while, 
he can tell me, oh, that's, um, you know, Jim that you taught back when you were a teenager. And that's because he'll seen, have seen a picture or met him at some point. And I just think that is a superpower. To me, that is a superpower to be able to recognize someone from when they were a child to be an adult now. Yeah. And so also, my husband's great at that. Yeah. It's also the perfect compliment, you know, the perfect foil to you because you need, he's almost like your guy. Like he's your, again, he's your prompter <laughs> with, yeah. with everything. And yeah. even teaching, like that's amazing that you were able to do that. Cause that also had to be stressed. Cause I couldn't imagine the stress of if those kids decided to change seats. Yeah. I would usually give name tags. It just made it easy for me. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew that even if I taught seminars with adults, I knew that if I put name tags on people, that's what I do now as well. Um, I love Zoom because it has the name right there. Uh, I love when people have name tags on, even though my eyes are looking at the name tag, which I sometimes would get really nervous about because it would be someone that I'm supposed to know and I'm looking at their name tag at work. But that's that's how I knew it. Now since I tell people right up front, Hey, I have this problem. And when I'm teaching and I teach the, the um, volunteers at the museum and I, I'll tell them first class, I will not remember you. And they have been so sweet to me. And I have for years, I have people who will come up and every time they see me, they'll say, Hey, um, I'm Fran. And Fran here, she, she's always done that for me. And she did it for years until I was able to recognize her. But every time she saw me, she would just come up and say, Fran here. And I knew. And that's so helpful. So if you know somebody with face blindness, telling them your name is very helpful. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a load off. It, it realizes that you're, it's to, 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 to turn your, I guess, turn the defenses off you know stop panicking i'm not mm-hmm. it because it's a friendly it's not a it's judah right because some because <laughs> it's it is and like i said it's it's just a human condition sometimes people just have expectations and when they're not met they have nowhere to put it and it's hard my grandmother had had i guess alzheimer-ish things where she had poor memory or she would she would repeat things and at one point, my mom was like, she would she would correct every time, Mom, that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm like, but I'm like, what does it matter? I mean, if she, yeah, there is a there is a uh, another podcast, uh, This American Life, where there was a couple had taken improv classes because her her mother had Alzheimer's and was living with them, and they were like, instead of you know correcting her or. We just went improv, and if if you ever heard, you know, improv comedy is always yes and. So if anything's introduced, like I'm a witch, yes and, you know, huh. we're witches, yes and we are. They, and then he would, they would introduce the next part of the scene. So they would just take that exercise with her. So anytime she's like, "There's a bird out there," instead of saying, "There's no bird out there, mother," like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, wh- what color is he?" You know, it's a, mm. it's a bluebird, right? Like, or they would just do that, and it was. It was such an eye-opening thing for me, and I, you know, told my mom about. It. I'm like, you know, that's something maybe we should introduce, you know, when as we get older, instead of trying to make, trying to bring them back to where they were, yeah, except what they where they are, and oh yeah, because it's it's hard, and I I understand it's hard because you you don't want that passing of time you want to you want to hold on to the your loved ones forever but yeah in some situations you can't and to me that was a way better way of handling it and just you know enjoying it and accepting it rather than you know you know trying to correct them and make and then them feeling bad because they apparently don't remember because how would you feel if you know you say something you just said that five minutes ago don't you remember yeah and then you start thinking, did I remember? And what's wrong with me? Yeah. That's so honoring to the person too, is to allow them to be who they are in that moment. Yes. And I thank you for doing this, Pam. This has been a great conversation. Where, thank you. Where can people find you on social media as well as your podcast? 
So my podcast is Bell Book and Candle, and it's a bell with an E at the end. And I'm on Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. And you can also find me under threeraysoflight.org, which, which that's a number three. That's my business page. Awesome. Again, I thank you for doing this. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Me too. So that was Mella. Man, I really felt that interview because it was an obscure condition and I struggled with my own things for so long before I was able to find them. And, you know, thanks to the comic that kind of put me on that path kind of inadvertently or, you know, just in passing and I had no idea. But it, it's such a relief when you do find out what's wrong with you or what's affecting you and you can you can learn to to take out the factors that bring it forward and just it's just such a it's such a welcome feeling and i can't express how difficult it is when you when you're in the weeds and you don't know what's happening it's just defeating and you just want to throw up your hands and just sit and it's such a it's such a relief when you do find that out so so you know so many times we just pass things off as laziness or stuck upness or some other overlying thing to make us feel better rather than really trying to learn so keep that in mind. Sometimes, you know, there are there are conditions, there's so many different health and, you know, mental conditions that that exist out there. And so they exist for a reason that they're there. Don't, you know, it's not a, a reason to judge. Check out her podcast Bell Book and Candles. It's very therapeutic, it's very relaxing. It's very warm and if you're in South Carolina, check out one of her like witch tours or ghost stories or, you know, full moon ceremonies. It's just to just to experience something different. Doesn't make it evil. It's just not the norm. And sometimes you need to you need to have those experiences just to just to have a new new perspective on life. I thank you guys for listening. This has been episode 50. Um if you like the podcast, leave a review. I would love to get some more five-star reviews if they're out there. Uh, if you have suggestions for the show or you want to be a guest, shoot me an email at somefearfans at gmail.com. I'll probably start interviewing some comics here in the next month. Speaking of next month, I will be headlining the Comedy Arena in McKinney. Check that out. I believe tickets have just gone on sale. I will post that in the show notes if they are available. Also... You know, this week I did some comedy in Addison and as well as the back door since I was not on the road. Next week I'll be on the road in Wichita, Kansas, and we'll have another episode while I'm out there. I may record an episode or two with James Johan and whoever my opener is just to kind of put a couple of podcast episodes down. Check out, you know, comedyarena.com if you're in the McKin North Dallas McKinney area. I will be headlining. Episode guest 14, Mallory Davis, will be the host. And I believe, let's see here. Preacher will be episode 32, guest Stephen Gamble. And so it'll be a great time. We'll have a lot going on. Just check out the show. Thanks again for listening. Um, next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. 
as well as his website, GunnarOlson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there, and you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.